Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Reagan Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to be live once again right here from our offices in Central Florida. Good to have everyone here today. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you uh, would want more information on Raven Ministries International, I really encourage you to go to our website, which is www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, and you can get more information on all the ministries of Raven Ministries International. Raven actually is an acronym for Restoring a Vision and Evangelizing Nations, and that's really what we're all about. And, and really the process of restoring a vision is what you see right here today. And I believe that when you get in, begin to get inside the Word of God and the Word of God gets inside of you, what it does, it gives you a, a vision for the things that are important to Jesus. And, you know, he came to, but for one reason. That was to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to, to, for us to build us a, a, a great following. He didn't build, uh, come for us to, to line our pockets with, with, with money or to, to acquire great riches. He, he came that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly and have it eternally. And so this life that we're living now is just a, a blip and a vapor uh, in, in the scope of eternity. What he did, he came to, to, uh, to seek and to save that which was lost. And, you know, all of us were, were lost and we were like uh, sheep that had gone astray. But the Lord Jesus came uh, and, and bore our, our sicknesses and our sorrows and our iniquities upon himself. And he rose again on the third day. So that's what we're about as far as restoring a vision and, and taking the word of God in a, an expository way in this in this forum and just really invest in people and hopefully to whet your appetite. If, if, if you haven't been one that's been just dedicated to the Word of God, we, we hope that this serves kind of as a catalyst for that. Uh, by no means do we think you're going to get everything you need right here. Absolutely not, because we don't, we don't know everything. And, but what we do is we take what God has entrusted us to with the, with the understanding of the revelation, revelation through His Word and by the Holy Spirit, and hopefully we can invest that into you, that you can take it, and God can build upon that as He gives you an understanding of the Word of God through the direction of the Holy Spirit. So thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that, um, we, we hope that really that you're able to take something from this and glean it, and God will empower you in His Word and give you that desire. And, and really, then the final thing is that it's evangelizing nations. We don't believe in just being hearers, but in actual doers of the word. And so when we evangelize nations, your nation may be your next door neighbor. It may be the person you work with. It may be a, a jailhouse. It may be a, a nursing home. It may be a street corner. Uh, it may be a foreign land, whatever it may be. But we just need to be faithful in those places that God has, has put us in and placed us in strategically to, to take his gospel to a lost and dying world. Folks, listen, we have the answer. And the world's got questions. And the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm believing what God is doing is he's wanting to restore that heart back to his church to, to, to get equipped with, with the word of God and with the truth of God's word and, and with the heart of Jesus and to go out and to, to see a world change. And I believe that's what, uh, what God has, has promised us and that's the desire of his word. So thank you once again for joining us uh, on that. And we, we actually were in a, an expository teaching on the book of Romans. We're in the... 14th chapter, and I believe today is class number 181, 181, 181st hour. But if you uh, have not been with us in the past, you can actually go to our website and click on Raven Institute. And what you're going to see is a little player, an on-screen, it's kind of like an on-screen iPod or an MP3 player, where you can actually play, download, burn uh, all the previous classes uh, onto your computer uh, absolutely free of charge. Nothing we do is copyrighted. Uh, we just take what God's given us. We freely receive. We freely give. And so we make that available to you absolutely free of charge. There's, like I said, 180 hours plus of uh, ministry and teaching that's going forth from that. Take it. Use it. If you would like a, a disc on it and uh, you don't have a means to do that, a burner, uh, email us, raven at biggrace.com. We'd love to send you uh, any of that stuff absolutely free of charge. We'll pay the postage, the whole nine yards. We just want that in your hand and for you to take it. If you have questions about uh, the teaching in Romans, or if you have questions on anything else pertaining to the Scripture, we would love to answer those questions. You can also send them to raven at biggrace.com, and we'll answer those questions. Something you've been wondering. Now, if you're looking for a debate on all these things, really, we're not here to debate, because the debate, debate was settled 2,000 years ago when Jesus got out of the grave. That settled the debate. But if you have questions pertaining to uh, your your life in the Lord Jesus, or you want to know how to know Him, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're here for that. And we're um, more than... Uh, willing to sit and talk to you 
as long as possible, you can contact us. You'll find our number on the uh, e- uh, website. Call me. My, my own personal telephone number is on there. I'd love to sit and talk to you as long as possible about things pertaining to Jesus. And so if you have questions, let us know. We'd love to be a part of your life and to know really what's going on in your life. And if you're in the ministry and doing things, let us know. We'd love to hear testimonies. If you've got prayer requests, send those in at pray at biggrace.com, P-R-A-Y, biggrace.com. And we're praying each morning from 5 to 6 a.m. And for those prayer needs. And we're already getting so many reports back of God touching and changing lives. So thank you so much once again for joining us for the Raven Institute. If you notice, he's with us last week. I had Brother Scott with us. Uh, sitting here. He was available. He's uh, back down in West Palm Beach, Florida this week for a few days. He'll probably be back some this week, though. And so I uh, had a great time with him. So uh, if you're wondering why I'm all alone once again, it seems like, Deb, you know, I'll get somebody here and they'll be here with me for a little while. And they, here I am. I'm just all by myself again with Deb in the control, control desk. But thank you guys so much. It was, it's good to have those guys. And, and it's always nice to have an injection of, of other people's uh, input into the scripture as we study as we, no class. Thank you, Deb. Uh, those that are with us live, if you're listening to it recorded, you will have a class every day because you just got to go to the, the player. But we're not going to have class here tomorrow through Thursday. I'm going to actually be uh, traveling. I'm actually going to see, uh, you see Brother Steve Iggy here. I'll, I'll be. Uh, I'll see him tomorrow evening having supper with Ian and Jody and seeing some of the crew up there. So we're not going to, I will not be here Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday because of my travel schedule. But we will be back here on Friday. Uh, for uh, the Raven Institute, so I encourage you to be there. Also, tomorrow night, the Raven Nation program is going to be originated from West Coast. Pastor Rudy and I believe uh, Brother Nick Path are going to be uh, uh, tag teaming and pulling the uh, hosting the, the Raven Nation program. So, really encourage everybody to get on tomorrow night. We, I'm, I'll probably get on from right there in Indiana. So, be a part of the Raven Nation program. They're going to be uh, initiating that, and our prayer the next three mornings is actually going to be initiated from Raven East Coast. Pastor Sam Krogan is going to be leading the, the early morning prayer. So uh, get to see some of the folks and uh, uh, allow them to kind of take the reins of some of the things we're doing this week. That's a tremendous help to me, and I know it's going to be a tremendous blessing to you as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for his blessing on the uh, on the teaching today and that God would just touch. If you have prayer requests for healing or whatever, flash those on the screen, and we'll, we'll pray for those uh, as we pray today and continuing on. Father, we just thank you for this day. We just thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord God. Father, you're, just, you're doing something amazing, Lord God. And, and, and Father, it's, it's hard for us to even get our, our collective minds and understanding around it, Lord God, because I know what you're doing is so enormous, Lord God. It's, it's so much bigger than us as individuals, Lord God. And, and Father, we just come and we just yield ourselves to you this morning in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that it's you who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And, Lord God, we're just asking you, Lord God, today just to give us wisdom and understanding as we seek you, Lord God, and through your word. And, Father, if there be any hindering uh, uh, things in our life, Lord God, whether it be sins or just the, the adversary coming, Lord God, whatever, anything that would hinder, Lord God, you speaking clearly into our lives today, Lord God, we bind those things up in the name of Jesus. Father, if there be any, any, any unconfessed or repentant sin, Father, we lay those things down, Lord God. We don't want anything to stand in, in our way, Lord God, of your voice today. Father, if there's anything, Father, has, has stopped our spiritual ears from hearing and receiving, Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus and by the power of the blood, Lord God, that you would just remove those things. And, Father, that we could see and hear clearly, Lord God, that which you would speak to us today. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, any of them that have been struggling, had any type of... Uh, things that they're going through. I'd ask for a, a special touch from them. Lord God, there's those that found themselves, Lord God, in, in the midst of, of difficult decisions or just stressful situations. Father, I'm praying just for a visitation, Lord God, of the Holy Spirit upon them, Lord God. Just, just give them uh, rest and comfort, Lord God. Give them this, the assurance, Lord God, that, Father, even though they may be going through the fire, that you're still that fourth man walking in the midst of the fire, just like you were, Lord God, with the Hebrew children. And, Father, I thank you that your word says that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. That, Lord God, even in our dark darkest hour, our, our most trying times of tribulation, Lord God, that you are always there, Lord God, that your, your, your word says, Lord God, that your rod and your staff, they comfort us, Lord God. And Father, I thank you that it's you that's still leading us, Lord God, Father, uh, uh, besides still waters, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we just ask today, Lord God, that you would lead and guide into all truth by your spirit. Father, if there be anything that, that not be of you, not be derived from truth, Father, we just ask that that would be squashed, Lord God, it would not be said. Father, I just, I just confess to you, Lord God, in and of myself, I am incapable, Lord God, of teaching your word. But, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that our capability does not come, Lord God, in, in, in all these things that, that we've figured out, Lord God, but they come with just, Lord God, making our, our hearts and lives available to you and allowing the Spirit of God 
to, to use us, Lord God, as we trust in you, Lord God. So I just, I trust in Jesus today, Lord God. I don't trust in the arm of my flesh. I don't trust, Lord God, in the, the capabilities of my intellect, Lord God. Father, what I trust in is Jesus, Lord God, to speak, Lord God, to, to give me the words that need to be spoken and shared today, Lord God. And I, and I just trust the, the Holy Spirit, Lord God, to, to provide that utterance, Lord God, that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, Lord God. I just pray that you would anoint the hearer, Lord God, that you would anoint this speaker, Lord God, as I, I, I share, Lord God, your word. And Father, we just tremble, Lord God. We tremble at the awesomeness of your word and your presence, Lord God. Because, Lord God, we know that it's an awesome thing. Father, these, these are the words of life, Lord God. This is the Theonustos. This is your breath, Lord God. Father, taken, Lord God, and, and penned, Lord God, by the hand of holy men of old and given to us. And, Lord God, so we take not these things lightly, Lord Jesus. And so, Father, we want an understanding. Father, we want a clarity. We want, Lord God, purity and righteousness, Lord God, to come forth, Father, from our learning and from our teaching in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we pray for those that have been sick in body, Lord God, those that have been struggling. We pray, Lord God, for those this uh, uh, brother Aiden, Lord God, and uh, uh, Leah, and, and and other ones, Lord God, Melanie, Lord God, that was uh, sick this past week, Lord God, and we just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that. By your blood, Lord God, by your stripes that they would be healed, Lord God. Father, we just ask that the full benefits of the cross of Calvary, Lord God, would be realized in our lives, Lord Jesus. And Father, we just ask for your power to be poured out, Lord God, and your mercy, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. The word says if there's any sick among us, Lord God, let them call for the elders in the church, Lord God, in here today. Father, we got those that would constitute and represent those those people, Lord God. And though we'd be separated, Lord God, by, by, by time and by distance, Father, I thank you that it, we're not separated, Lord God, by your hand, which is not shortened, that you cannot heal, Lord God. So I'm asking you to touch and to heal and to restore, Lord God, in power, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 and amen. Once again, thank you guys so much for joining us. If you're joining us late and you're looking for my compadre here, he's, uh, he's out today. And he, he should be back this week, but Brother Scott, it's always good to have him. And I know he added such a tremendous uh, part to the teaching this past week, and he'll be back to, to chime in. But folks, listen, we're in the, the 14th chapter of the book of Romans. And, and really something, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about. Those first seven verses really... They kind of bear out uh, the thought that we should really not get, get caught up, really the whole summation of those seven, first seven verses. I'll, I'll read them real quick. It says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive him, but not in doubtful disputations. For one believes that he may eat all things, another who is weak eats herbs. Let not him that eats despise him that eats not, and let not him which eats not judge him that eats. For God has received him. Who are you that you should judge a mother man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, you shall be holden up, for the God is able to make him stand. One man may esteem one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. But let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regards the day regards it unto the Lord, and he that regards not the day to the Lord, he does not regard it. He that eats, eats to the Lord, for, gives, uh, for he gives God thanks. And he that does not eat to the Lord, he eats not and gives God thanks. Really, what, what he's really telling us here in these seven verses, and you, and you know, here's what I think about. I think about just the, the, just the whole, uh, the, 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 just this strong doctrinal basis that Paul the Apostle has given us through these, this Roman letter. And it's just been incredible. You know, you, you think about the challenges and, and really what it is. I mean, if, if you don't read those, uh, really those first, really, 8, 9, 10, 11, 13, 14, 16 chapters of Romans, and, and you don't get some of the bark knocked off of you, I tell you what, you, just, you need to open your eyes. Because it really, I know, I know myself, it just challenges you. It just takes you to another level and another desire uh, and a heart for uh, understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, but, you know, he brings that all and he gives us these, these, these weighty things of the Spirit and, and gives us these strong doctrinal truths. But it, in this, Paul the Apostle, which he's, you know, so much he does this through all of his writings to all the churches, these letters. He, he, brings it, he brings it back to bear. He says, listen, guys. He said, with all that truth, with all those things, what you've got to do is be able to ascertain really what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you. Don't allow all these things. Don't be like the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees, you know, they, 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 all these things they did and uh, they, they tried to hold on to and, and they, they missed the weightier matters of, of the truth. And he said, no, you need to do those things. But listen, there's things that are more important. You know, they strained at gnats and they swallowed camel. And so they, they didn't put the, the, the focus or, or the main thing, make it the main thing. They just started majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. And so when Jesus showed up on the scene, they, they missed it all. Folks, I don't want to miss Jesus for my own presuppositions. I don't want to miss a move of God because, you know what, I've, I've so boxed in my own thoughts and, and I've, I've so hindered God speaking to me that you know, I say, okay, God, you can speak as long as you speak this way. You know what, God, folks, he's going to speak 
according to this way, this word of life that he's not going to change. And it's not going to be because of my private interpretation. No scripture is given of God for private interpretation. It's all good and it's, it's profitable for doctrine. But God is going to speak uh, 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 in harmony with his voice throughout all the ages. You know, he is the Lord God. He does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that is, that is going to return and we see him in the second chapter and in the 19th chapter so vividly described in, in the Revelation. He's that, 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 that same Jesus that, that came in the theophanies of the Old Testament that, that wrestled with Jacob at Peniel, that, the, 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 the one that walked with the Hebrew children in the midst of the fire. That's the same Jesus. He's the, the one that, that, that walked the, the dusty shores of, of, of the, the sea of Galilee and hung upon that's it's the same Jesus and he does not change he may change in the in the way that he, he presents himself to us that he became God with us and he dwelt among us but the one that's the king of kings and the lord of lords that's going to split the eastern skies he has always been who he is he he has created all things and there's nothing that's been created that he has not created that is him and so uh, he he wants us to come to that place of just understanding who he is and not so caught up in all these other the the, the things that really would come as it really that would really not bear anything out if they did and so folks listen as long as things don't fall within the category of sin or an unrighteousness, as described by the Word of God, not by the traditions of men, and we talked about this last week, then let's not allow these things to become a point of contention or division. You know, we'll not always agree on every little thing. We certainly will not. You know, there's some things that we can agree to disagree on. And, and in the end, it really won't matter who was right and who was wrong concerning those things. You know, there's, there's certain people that, that may believe in the rapture, some people that don't. You know, some people that want, you know, that believe they'll go through the tribulation. Praise God, go through it. You know, the Jews appreciate some people that believe in this and that. You know, folks, at the end of the day, it's all going to work out. Jesus is going to come when he's when he's going to come. There's some people that believe in, you know, you got to be submerged. I personally believe that. You know, some people will pour a bucket of water. If you've got, uh, you know, aquaphobia, I guess it would call it. You don't want to be totally submerged. And, you know, if a bucket of water will do you, you know what? No water. Just a word worked with the thief on the cross that day that he called out to Jesus. You know, and so some of those things really do not matter. And so, you know, we can stand and we can give our theological position on certain things. We can even be really on the right side, so to speak, of the debate and have the, the right theology. We can have the right eschatological order or the, the hermeneutical answer, whatever you want to throw out there. And, and, and really, at the end of the day, and those things don't even have any, any, any weight in regards to a person's salvation. So what Paul was telling us, and really what I'm just reiterating, his words is, let's, let's keep the focus on the most important issues and let's let the Holy Spirit work out the other issues in a brethren's life so that they can grow up in the faith. I think sometimes we we want to we want to load and we want to put the, the 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 cart before the horse and we need to build up people in their most holy faith and allow those foundations to be established in their life and what happens is people come and they want to get into all this these tangents and all these things folks let's get people to know Jesus let's see, let's let's teach people how to pray let's teach people how to know the face of God and to seek after Him and to hear His voice and you know what all those other things that we get so caught up with. God's going to begin to answer those issues. If I know Him, I'll have an intimacy with Him. If I know Him, then I'll know the, 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 the inflection of that spiritual voice that comes upon my life. And I, and I won't get caught up in all these things, chasing tangents and rabbits and, you know, who's going to be this one and, you know, what's the, what's the demonstrator for the 666 or all these. Folks, listen, at the end of the day, man, I tell you what, it's still got to be Christ and Him crucified, the power of God. And so I really want us to really focus on that. So if it's milk time for people, Let's, let's make sure that they, we give them the sweetest, the purest, the freshest, and the most nutritious milk available. Do you hear what I'm saying? If somebody, that's what, their, that's what their palate is able to take, let's make sure it's the best milk for them. That they might be strengthened and so that when they begin to cut their spiritual teeth, that they'll be able to chew up and digest the meat that God wants to, to feed them. And I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. It says, God is faithful. What is God? God is faithful. God is not faithful by what he does. God is faithful by who he is. He is called faithful. That 19th chapter of the book of Revelation talks about the one seated upon that white horse whose name is called faithful and true. And so I want God to be faithful. It says, it says God is faithful by whom you're called into the fellowship of his son. You're called to what? His faithfulness. What calls you into the fellowship of his son? Folks, listen, if you've got a whole lot of head knowledge, if you've got a whole lot of experiences, if you've got a whole lot of these things, but you don't have any fellowship with his son, 
Folks, you, you've totally missed the point. What Jesus came is to, to, to be God with us, to reconcile us back to that relationship with the Father. If I want to look at a picture of what the Word of God says, I've just got to look at how God created man. He created man to, so that He might dwell with them, that, he could, that we would walk with Him in the cool of the day, that we could have that experience that God daily would be our teacher. He would be our guide. He would be our source of strength and source of life. So what He's telling us, listen, I want you to be faithful because you're called to the fellowship of His Son. He said this, though. He said, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it's been declared, Paul told the church in Corinth, that, that there be many uh, contentions among you. And that some say, you know, listen, I'm of Paul, I'm Apollos, I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul, Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Or I'm a Baptist, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a Presbyterian, I go to this church, I'm part of that camp. Folks, at the end of the day, listen, we've got to be in the camp of Jesus. We've got to be in the will of God. We've got to be uh, uh, every thought, every desire, everything central. Not to pleasing our own ambitions, our own desires, our own dreams, but to be well-pleasing unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Folks, listen, our comfort, or our common ground, I should say, our common ground has always got to be the cross. You hear what I'm saying? Because it's where all else really has got to take a place of subordination and where every other thought, every other care has got to petitulate and, and the single most power and profound act of the Word of God has got to flow out of that. It's, it's hard to get lifted up in pride when you see Jesus lifted up. It's, 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 it's hard to, to, to get lifted up in your own reasoning when, when you're constantly focused on what Jesus did for us. It's hard to say, well, I'm going to do this when you saw that we were powerless against the, the, the nature of sin until Jesus Christ hung upon that cross and he bore all of those things in his own body. And it was him that provided the access back into the presence of God. Folks, listen, when you, when you put it in the, in the confines, in the shadow of the cross, folks, I tell you what, it shows us just how desperately needy and how utterly dependent that we are upon Christ Jesus and that everything that we have has got to be derived from grace through faith and from his empowerment coming into our life. And so, folks, really, then in verse 7 here, really, Paul really brings this whole thing to bear. And he says this, and really this is something we need to walk by and live by. He says, for none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. And so what he is saying here is that if you are a true believer, and really you've got to make that whole point. If you're a true believer, this is going to be your, this is going to be your mantra. That I do not live to myself and I don't die to myself. Then, then what it's saying is then the decisions that, that are made in your life are not your decisions to make anyway. That anything you do, anything you say, anywhere you go, whether it be your home, whether it be your marriage, whether it be your children, whether it be your job, your finances, your retirement, whatever it is, all those things are under the control of God because you have given your heart and life to Him. Where you go, where you move, what you say, where you preach, all those things, if you say genuinely I've given my life to Him, that, that I don't live to myself or die to myself, that once, folks, we give our lives to Jesus, then the liberty that we thought we once had, Listen, all those things, everything that we thought we enjoyed, that, that we that enabled us to dictate our own thoughts and our own actions, literally those things have become surrendered to Him in their totality. And so if you got saved, if you got, a, a, you know, got partially born into Christianity, or it's just something that you have, uh, folks, listen, that you, then you've not come into a relationship with Christ. And folks, this is the major problem that we see probably in most churches and most Christians at large this day and age, is they say they have given their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, but then they make this wholesale list of these mental, kind of like a prenuptial agreement, that, that kind of serve to, to qualify the areas in which Christ can and cannot be Lord. You know, if, if, a, if a couple of people are getting coupled, they're going to get married, uh, and they sign a prenup. Basically what the prenup typically reads is that the things that we brought into the marriage are still going to be ours. We're going to hold on to those. Now, anything that happens after the fact, you know what, that's community property. Now, folks, think about how many people come into a relationship with Jesus with this spiritual prenuptial agreement. Lord God, I'm going to bring all my vices. I'm going to bring all of my opinions. I'm going to bring all these things in. And, you know, when I, when I walk that aisle and I repeat this, this Christian mantra and I say the magic words of the Roman road to salvation and I now have this wonderful life, anything that you want to do there, that's fine. But I'm going to still be taking care and, and handling my business over here. There's certain things that I want to do. There's certain hang-ups that I want to keep. There's, there's certain attitudes that I want to have. And so those things are mine. Anything else that you want to have, bless me with anything else that you want to bring to the table and increase my my assets whatever hey that's fine 
Folks, listen, there's no prenups in it. We, we, we come in, and so when we give our lives to Him, listen, uh, it, 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The temple of who? It's not the temple of Troy. It's not the temple of Deb. It's not the temple of, of Meredith or Terry. It's, it's not the temple of, of Roy. It's not the temple of, of Wanda. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so if I come to him and it says, Who is in you, uh, whom you have of God? And it says, And you are not your own. What's it say? I am not my own. And so if I'm coming to that place and my ownership of my life has been surrendered to him, it says in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 6, it says, You are bought at a Price and folks, the, the the price that we're bought at is the blood of Jesus. It's the it's the wholesale price of of everything that, that God had to offer and to give to us in, in order to pay for it. He said, therefore, you need to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So everything that we do, say, go, how we minister, how we live, how we deal with our our, our families, all those things got to be done as though God is the one that is holding the reins to all those things. So really, when you when you make a decision, say, would this be the God's decision? You know, would, would this be how He would handle this? Because I'm His material. And so if you borrowed somebody's car, somebody's property that was theirs and or their tool and you you want to handle it like they would and you want to bring it back in the same pristine condition in which you received it same thing so folks here's what happens people run around professing uh, christian people that is they, they run around making these decisions as to what they want to do with their life and, and then they they but they claim to have given their life to jesus and so they, they this this absolutely makes no sense and what it does, it really just reveals how much, or in this, in most cases, how little they've truly given their lives to Jesus. And so, folks, here's, here's the problem. Unfortunately, many people, what they're taught is they only give up what's convenient to give up. You know, maybe what they've been taught is, you know, an hour or two on Sunday or, or maybe a few dollars in an offering plate or maybe the attendance at a cell group in the midweek. But, but definitely God doesn't really expect me to give up my life. Listen, I've got to live a life, you know. Let's get, I hear people say that claim to be believers. Well, let's just get real for just a second. You know what? You've got to live your life. You know, God expects you to live your life. God expects you to be happy. You know, God knows there's things that I've got to do. There's things that... You know, think about that. God, God didn't come to make you happy. He came to save you from the wrath to come. Now, if you're happy about that, praise God. If you're unhappy about that, praise God. But the reason He came is not to put a smile on your face. He came to deposit Himself into your heart. That way you'll stand before Him and that you'll be justified and sanctified. That way you might be glorified before Him. Folks, listen. These things that say, listen, I'm just going to give up just a portion. I'm just going to give up a certain aspect of my life. Folks, that is not biblical Christianity. That is man's man-made, self-styled religiosity that it only has one outcome, and that is death, hell, and destruction. And folks, really what that becomes, it's kind of like a superhighway to destruction that's filled with all these, these convenient off-ramps and detours. Folks, listen, people want to get on, and as soon as they see a sign that points to them, a convenient store or a spiritual rest area, well, they want, they want to take the access, and they'll say, well, you know, listen, there's an honor. I can get right back on just as quick. Folks, listen, there are no off-ramps in this relationship with God. What you're going to have to do is if you want to go down that road, you're going to have to turn around and head back the other way. That's why it's called backsliding. It's not called just a, a, a detour. It's not just called moving to an adjacent road or, or taking a, a way around the trouble. Folks, listen, the way to salvation is a narrow way. You think, and I want you to think about that for a minute. Okay, one time, we, were, we took a trip, we were in New Mexico, up in the mountains, and we rented a Jeep. And so, they gave us this map, and they had these, these places that were to, to look at, and there was this real beautiful place that they that, they'd put down and, and, and on the map, and all these things. And so, they gave us this, this Jeep we were in, and there's four of us in the, in the vehicle. And so, we, we, made our, we were making our way up this, this hill, and, and, and the further we went up this hill to this place that we wanted to get to our destination, literally, the narrower the road got. And, and there was a point in time where we, we were coming up, the, the, narrow, the way was so narrow that I could reach it. I was driving the Jeep, and I could actually touch the, the stone wall of the, the, the mountain next to me. I mean, it was right there by the Jeep. And, and, and they began to look out the people that were with me, and they said, Listen, your tires are partially hanging off the side of the cliff. And only about 60% of the tire was actually on the side of the road. The other 40% of the tire was actually over the edge. And so I told them, I said, listen, you, you, can, uh, you can get out. But I said, but there's no way to turn around or go back. 
I said, there's a destination we're going to get to. And I said, we can't go back. And I said, so what you do is you can, uh, I want you to just get out and, 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 and you can walk your way up. And I said, because I'm taking this Jeep up this road. I mean, the map says that there's a place that I can get to. And so evidently, it's been a place that people have survived going through. I don't see a bunch of wreckage down at the bottom of this hill, so I know that there's a way. And so I got them out. And so what did I do? I began to inch my way up that narrow way. And as I made myself away, literally rocks were crumbling underneath the, the tires. But obviously, I made my way up. And so I, I, I went past and So I, I got out. But as soon as I, I got past that narrow passage, you know what happened? They all got back in the Jeep. They wanted to avoid the treachery. They wanted to avoid the, the, the risk, but they wanted to enjoy the benefits. And so, folks, listen, the, the thing is, is the place that we ended up was really the most beautiful place in that area of the mountain. But it took passing by a narrow way to get to it. Folks, the same really is said with our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Many want to experience the glory and the power and the authority of God, but they'll jump out of the Jeep, so to speak, at the first sign of trouble, and they want to jump back in when the coast is clear. Folks, listen, we can't do that. We, we've got to be willing to go through those trials. We've got to be willing to go through, even when it seems like the road is crumbling beneath our feet. We've got to say to ourselves, you know what? God would not have pointed me on this pathway to see me crumble and fall to the edge of the cliff. God wants me to, to draw nine. So what did I do? As, the, as they said, the rocks are crumbling under your other tires. What did I do? I put myself a little bit closer to the stone wall, to the rock. Because I knew as long as I was close to the rock that I wasn't going to go over the edge. I didn't want to have, I wanted not to have any distance between the side of that vehicle that I was in and that rock that I was literally clinging to. Folks, listen, you can go through the narrowest way as long as you cling to the rock. You see what I'm saying? You can go and it doesn't matter what's crumbling on your side. It doesn't even matter who jumps out of the Jeep, so to speak, and decides they're going to, they're going to take it the easy way. I tell you what, if you cling to the rock, if you hold it, he said, upon this rock that I'll build my church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Folks, listen, God has has given us a way to walk in a prevalent life, a way that prevails over the works of the enemy. Regardless of what we see, regardless of how far the drop, the most beautiful place, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it even entered into the heart of a man those things that he's prepared for those. But I tell you what, the way to that place is, 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 is a way that's difficult. It's going to be wrought with, with trials. It's going to be wrought with circumstances. It's going to be filled with difficulties. It's going to all these things that are going to change and challenge you and cause you to go up those things. Stop trying to avoid them. Stop trying to find a way around it. Stop trying to find an easy way out. Stop, stop trying to find something that's going to give you a free pass. Folks, listen. Those are the things that bring a refinement. Those are the things that will qualify you to go into the kingdom of God. So I really encourage you to do that. Folks, listen. The options of getting out are not options that have been afforded to the believer and the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I hear a, a scripture so often quoted. And we talked about it briefly when we were in Romans chapter 10. But Romans 10.13 says that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who will ever call upon the name? I hear people witnessing all the time. All you've got to do is just call upon the name of the Lord. Like, like there's just this magic thing that happens when somebody says Jesus. Uh, you know, people are, are using His name in vain all the time. Are they calling upon His name? Are they saved? Are they, they going to heaven because they, they blaspheme His name? You know, Melly and I got, went, went last night. That, and, you know, I wanted to get her out of the house. She wasn't feeling well. And so I said, hey, let's get out and let's go get a cup of coffee. So we went to this, this International House of Pancakes, IHOP. And so we go in and we, we sit down. And the, the restaurant, there's just one table in the middle of the floor, and they see this right next to it. And it's five or six people. And they're just, just talking loud, and they're just one of and, and, you know, all these things, and that's fine. And I, didn't, I didn't want to go there and hear all this nonsense going on. But then one of them used God's name in vain. And so the waiter came back, he, he poured our coffee, and I told him, I said, I'm not sticking around for this. I said, I didn't come out to spend the time with my wife to hear people blaspheme the name of God. And I said, that's, that's not what I came here. I said, you know what? I'll go somewhere else. And so we put our menus down. We got up and we walked out of that place. Folks, listen. Were they saved? They, weren't, they were using God's name. Were, were, were they born again? No. But, you know, I wasn't going to sit there and listen to that. You know, I, I wasn't going to be a party to that type of an environment. Folks, listen. Whoever calls upon, that word call upon does not just simply mean just saying a prayer, even acknowledging. It doesn't even mean going to church. You hear what I'm saying? It doesn't mean having a membership in an organization. What it involves, listen, to call upon, that word literally means to surrender the title, deed, and ownership of one's life to him completely. It means that I totally yield myself to it. Folks, listen, if I ask you if you knew a girl by the name of, of, of Melanie Fulkerson, you know what? Have any of y'all met her? Melanie Fulkerson? You know, you'd probably say to yourself, I don't know who that person is. But what if I say, have any of you ever met Melanie Bond? 
You know why? Because that's who Melanie is now. Melanie Bond is obviously, that's my wife of 22 years. But see, folks, listen, in, 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 in November 15th of, of 1986, we walked an aisle. You know what? She became my wife. And in that, you know what she did? She signed a piece of paper that said that my name is no longer my maiden name. I am taking on your name. I am surrendering my identity to you. And so, no longer is she known by Fulkerson, which was her maiden name. She is known as Melanie Bond. Folks, the exact same things that happened to us. We as the bride of Christ. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, what we do, every document, all these things that identified us as who we are, we need to sign those things off and say from now on, listen, I'm going to be identified with Christ Jesus. He is going to be the one that I'm recognized by. The testimony of Jesus is going to be the testimony of my life. That, that, that when I speak, I'm going to speak as an ambassador for Christ. When I, when I walk, when I move, the things that I do are going to be things that are going to be associated with here, him all the time. So, folks, listen, I hear about people talk about all these things about, listen, I'm saved. Folks, listen, your, your rights, your decisions, your privileges, your opinions, your suggestions, your likes, your dislikes, every single one of those things were forfeited the second you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You hear what I'm saying? You forfeited every one of those things. And so... All your decisions from this point on have got to be made by the one who owns you. And so here, here is, he, he is now, folks, really able to do with your life, if you genuinely believe in him, if I do, whatever he pleases. Period. If, if, his, if, it, if it pleases him to, to take us through trials and tribulations, praise God. You know what? It's his life. If I, if I wanted to do it my way, I should have just kept my own life and just met a, a bitter end of destruction. But if I genuinely trust God with my life, I'm going to trust Him regardless of my circumstance, regardless of my difficulty. And I hear people say stuff all the time. They'll they'll make a decision that that has nothing to do with being submitted to the will of God. And and they're they're driven really by a self-will, a self-absorption, emotions. They're, they're, They're driven by whims. They're driven by circumstances. And they'll use things like, really, I really feel a peace about it, to justify really their rebellion against the directives of God. You know, I think about First Thessalonians five three. It says, "You know, they'll say peace and safety, and then sudden destruction." It says they'll come upon them as travail comes upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. Folks, you know what? The peace that most people are seeking after is not a peace that's found in the will of God. It's a peace that's going to be followed by destruction and not followed by God saying, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." Folks, listen. If we're going to seek after the peace of God, uh, it's never going to be those things. Most times, the place that God will call you will be a place where you're stretched, where you're challenged, where you're chastened, where you're transformed. It's not going to be this place of relative ease and comfort. And the question is, how are you going to respond to that situation? If if I'm standing by what he says in verse 7, none of us lives to himself, no man dies to himself. How do you respond or do you react when God is saying, listen, it's not your way anyway? When somebody does something or says something, or you have to be submitted to a directive that, that you don't agree with, what about that? Are, 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 is, it, is your life now your own? Or, or, or God has given you to do something? Are, are you always trying to talk God out of it? Are you saying, are you sure about this? You know, I, I see it in the ministry all the time. You know, we'll, we'll say, okay, we believe God wants to do this. And we'll give a directive. And people will say, well, they'll try to talk you out of the directive. Well, whatever, you know, do, well, do we really need to do this? Or is that really important? Or is this and that? And so what are you saying? You're saying it's, it's as long as you agree that you're subject to it? Or what about your children? You know, are you sure you want me to do that, Dad? Are you, what, what are they saying? They're saying that, you know, the directive that you gave is not important enough for them to follow. Folks, listen, the same thing happens with the Holy Spirit. What about when the Holy Spirit puts a directive on your life and you sit there and say, well, come let us reason again. Let's sit down and let's, let's debate this. Isn't there a, a narrow, isn't there a bridge that leads to that place of beauty? Isn't there some way that I can get to that? Folks, listen, our hearts and lives to obey is always better than to sacrifice. Listen, if, if my life is not... We, we looked at this in, in, in our previous chapter on, on the book of Romans. We've been talking about, about submitting ourselves uh, unto God. We've talked about uh, uh, offering ourselves as that living sacrifice unto Him in the 12th chapter. God, how am, I, how am I doing that? Or if everything that God says, do i got to sit there and say, okay, God, I'm going to do that, but I need at least 10 good reasons for doing it. Lord God, I'm going to obey You, but Lord God, I need to know the, the end of this. I need to know exactly what You're telling me. Folks, listen. Are we going to obey God? Are we living to ourselves and dying to ourselves? Or will it, or will we obey God without murmuring and complaining? Or will we do it with joy unspeakable and full of glory? What is it? Joy unspeakable and full of 
glory. What do you think glory is? Do you think glory is somebody patting you on the back and saying you're so spiritual or you're so neat? Folks, that's not the glory of the Lord. When Moses wanted to see the glory of God, he wasn't saying God elevated me to some position or get me a great following. He already had the position. He already had a following. But what he wanted, he wanted the presence of God seen and known in his life. And folks, listen, you know, speaking of that context of glory, you know, I was thinking about it this morning in prayer. And we was talking about just that, that, that desire when you come into prayer, what you want to experience. And I was thinking about that in the context of Exodus chapter 16, 7 through 10. And I looked it up this morning as we was praying. It's prompted to go to this. And here's what it says. Talking about this, our life is not our own. It comes to Him. And if it's going to be with joy unspeakable and full of glory, my, 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 my obedience to Him is. Think about this. It says, and in the morning, He said, you shall see the glory of the Lord. Now, folks, when I rise up in the morning, I want to see the glory of the Lord. He said, for he that hears your murmuring against the Lord, and, 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 and what are we that you should murmur against us? And Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you into, the, uh, into eating, uh, evening flesh to eat, and in the morning uh, bread to be full, for that the Lord hears your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but they're against the Lord. Now, think about that, folks. When, when we murmur and we complain and we can uh, uh, talk about, listen, I, I have it bad and things aren't going, who are we really murmuring against? We're not even murmuring against our circumstances. We're murmuring against the Lord. And it says, And Moses spake unto Aaron, he said, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Egypt, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your murmurings. And it shall come to pass, as Aaron spake, the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Now, folks, do you think the glory of the Lord was coming to, 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 what do you call it, to reward them for their murmuring? What was it? What was the glory of the Lord? You hear all these people having these glory conferences. You hear them talking about, well, let's go and experience the glory. Folks, listen, you know, sometimes what's, what's going to show is God's going to show his glory up. That, that, that word glory is the kabod. That's what that Hebrew word is. It's the weighty presence of God. You know, folks, I, I remember there's times in my life that I didn't even understand it. I remember as, as a child, literally, it, you know, knowing that, that God had a hand on my life and, and really not understanding it. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about this this morning in prayer because, you know, I, I felt that kabod. I felt that weighty presence of God. And, you know, it, it's something so enormous. And, and I remember as, 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 as a kid and, and really crying out to God and just wanting to know Him and family going through difficult times, whatever, and, and, and feeling that, that kabod, having that, that weighty presence. And, and, it, and it was so, it was something, you know, if I had to describe it, it's something so enormous. It, it's something that you can't reach around. It's something that's overwhelming. It's something that is, that is, uh, it's like that, uh, it's like a juggernaut. It's an immovable object. It's an irresistible force of the presence of God. And I, and I felt, I remember when we was in New Orleans, we first moved there and, and some of you uh, told you about the story of coming down with the, uh, the, the West Nile virus and going through a period of time where really just, uh, this dire sickness and calling out to the Lord, really just saying, God, you know what? I, I just, I need a breakthrough. I need you to heal me. I feel like I'm going to die. And feeling that weighty presence, that Kabod of the Spirit of God and just something so utterly enormous. And really what he was sharing with me at that point was, listen, my, my plan for you is bigger than your circumstance. My, my, my desire for you, my ability is so much huger than what you're going through. So are you going to focus on your trouble? Are you going to focus on your difficulty? Are you going to focus that, that you don't have a, enough finances? Are you going to focus on or that you're having to go through some sickness? Are you going to fo- focus that you're going through difficulty with, with a person or whatever else? Or are you going to see the kabod? Are you going to realize that the weighty presence of God is so much huger than anything that you're murmuring could even think of? The, 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 the presence and the glory of God, when it revealed that, that it's so small, that, that when He says, I hold the universe, in the palm of my hand. He is showing us the enormity of His presence. Folks, listen. If we can ever come to that place where we see how utterly enormous the glory and the presence and the capabilities of God, what we do is we reduce Him to a place where we think that God is, 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 is dictated by our, our murmuring, our complaining. Folks, He is God all by Himself. He is the Lord God Almighty and above Him there is no other. And so what we should do, we should rejoice. We should think to ourselves, Lord God, show us Your glory. Show us that weighty thing. The thing. And, and, and I, don't, I don't want to seek You just as a way of confirmation, Lord God. I want to seek You as a way of affirmation. I want to show, show You, I'm affirming, Lord God, Your glory. That You are my glory. You are my kabod. You are my glory and the lifter of my head, Lord God. That when I see You, everything else pales in comparison. When I see the anointing, 
enormity of God's faithfulness, when I see the, the enormity of, 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 of God's sovereignty, when I see the enormity, Lord God, of your mercy, when I see the enormity, Lord God, of your power, Lord God, any little thing, Lord God, that I would sit there and just give an inkling, Lord God, of, of my time to, Lord God, anything that I would try to bring back and arrest part of my own life, my own opinion, Lord God. Father, those, those things are just paled in comparison, Lord God. They are, they are just revealed, Lord God, to, to just how small that they are, Lord God. Folks, listen, we have got to come back to that place of seeing that weighty presence, the, the power and the, the Spirit of God in a great way. Folks, listen, then we'll see, amen, that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Now think about this for just a second. Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God. And you talk about people, and right, keep in mind, you know, our, we don't live to ourselves, we don't die to ourselves. That either God is the author and the finisher of my faith, or He's not. Either I live to Him and I die to Him, or I'd live and I'd die to my flesh. Who is in control of my life? But think about this, because people are always looking for that peace. I see people making all the decisions. People, I'm talking about people feel called to ministry. They're making these decisions and, and flippantly and, and indiscriminate of what God thinks. And, and then they always want to put this. They always say, well, I just feel the peace. But think about what it says in Philippians 4.7. It says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, folks, listen, when the peace of God comes, you know how it's typically going to come? It's going to come outside the realm of our understanding. It's going to be incomprehensible when it comes from God. You know, what people are saying is, listen, I want to go do what I want to do, and I want God to tell me that it's okay. Folks, listen, what, what typically where we're going to get the peace of God, where we're going to get that, that, that affirmation by the Spirit, is when it's something that grates upon us. With something that there's no way in the world that left to our own decision making we would ever do. That God, I cannot believe you're sending me there because my flesh would not want to go there. God, I can't believe you're making me sacrifice in this area of my life because my flesh would not want to do that. Folks, listen, if, if we find all of our decisions are constantly in agreement with our flesh, the chances are they're not God's decisions. You hear what I'm saying? Because no flesh is going to glory Kabod in His presence. And so if I'm always looking for a peace that I understand or a peace that's always in agreement with my whims or my wants or, or my desires or my aspirations. Folks, listen, what I probably need to do is back up and say, God, listen, is this, is this the peace and safety that's going to be proceeded by sudden destruction? Lord God, or is this going to be the peace, Lord God, that's incomprehensible to the natural man? God, you're telling me to do what? You're telling me to go there? Lord God, you're telling me to speak this? Lord God, don't you know what they're going to say, what they're going to do? Don't you know what I'm going to have to suffer if I make that decision? Absolutely I do. But your life is not your own. I know what I want to do for you. I know what it's going to take for you. I, I know how my righteousness is going to be produced in you. Folks, listen. None of us lives to ourselves. None of us dies to ourselves. You know what, folks? I'm, if, if I stay in the will of God, if I stay under the weighty presence of God, I don't have to worry about my life getting cut short. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen to me. I, I know that if I, if I stay under that manifestation, I stay under the enormity of the will of God, and I stay in that place without murmuring, complaining, and I allow it to do it work in my life, listen, all these other things are, 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 are immaterial to me. All these other things, God is going to take care of them. I don't have to get caught up in the factions and the contentions and the division. I can know that I'm in the midst of what God is desiring for my life, even when it passes my ability to understand and to comprehend it. Folks, listen, we've got to, we've got to get God out of our head and get Him into our heart. We've got to get Him into a place that, that's realized because His kingdom doesn't come with our, our observation, with our ocular evidence. It's inside of us. It's that, it's that weighty thing inside of us that is so much bigger than anything that we could face. It's the power of God made manifest in our lives. And he goes on to say in verses 8 and 9, I'll read those together because they really tie together. Whether we live, he said, we live unto the Lord. Or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. Folks, who do you belong to anyway? So what are we complaining about? Oh, I'm this or I'm going through that and... We, we belong to the Lord. And so, folks, listen, and, and I praise, I really, I praise God that he, he graced me to get a hold of this years and years ago, early in my Christian walk. You know, so many people, if things don't fold, unfold the way they want to, they find themselves shaking their fist at heaven. You know, when I came to Christ, I don't know how you came to Christ. I came to Christ Jesus in a complete desperation. 
I came to him saying, you know what, God, I've tried it on my own. And I'm talking about, I came to him as, as an 18 year old having, having felt and experienced the presence of God, having had, know that God spoke to me, all these things. But at the same time, having entered into a place with a prenuptial agreement, which was no marriage to him at all. Listen, it was, a, it was some type of my own personal betrothal, but it really a submission to him and knowing him, it, it wasn't that. So when I finally came to Jesus and became born again at 18 years old, I said to God, you know what? I, I, I want to trust you in everything. Now, have, have there been times where, where I didn't do everything trustworthy? Absolutely not. But I can honestly say here that, that I never looked at a situation that I was in and blamed God. I never. I, I, I tell you what, since I've been born again, I've not said, God, why on earth would you make me? I can't believe you did it. Listen, I, I came in knowing that my life was not my own. Now, did I always like what I was going through? I, no, absolutely didn't. Did I always enjoy it? Absolutely not. But at the same time, I knew in my heart that, that God loved me more than I loved myself. God's desires for me was greater than my desire for myself. And I knew that if I would just trust Him, if I trust, as the Word says, with the, in the Lord with all my heart, and, and not lean upon my own understanding, if I acknowledge Him in all my ways, that, that in the midst of that, that God was going to bring me through those trials and tribulations. And at the end of the day, that I wasn't going to be glorified, but He was going to be glorified in it. And folks, we've got to come to that place, listen, that, that whether we live, whether we die, whether we achieve the things that are our own personal aspirations or not, that listen, we're the Lord's. That my life is the Lord's. And if I and if I can't give my life to the Lord now, I'm never going to be His in eternity. You hear what I'm saying? And so we've got to come to that place now that God, I want to submit my heart and my will to You in the now. That way, when I stand before You in the then, that You're able to say, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." Now look at verse nine. Tie those together, and for to this end, Christ died and rose and revived. That he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Folks, why did he die? So we would be his. He didn't die so we could have a free pass and enjoy, uh, sit in the lap of luxury of our own self-will. He said, this is the reason that Christ died and rose again. That the, the, to be the, the, the Lord of both the living and the dead. He, he died so that we could belong to Him, folks. He didn't die so that we could get a free pass into eternity and live to our own lives. Folks, listen, everything, the summation of the cross of Calvary is that I can decrease, that I can increase, that He might increase. The whole summation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is that I can deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Him, the one who I belong to, the one that, that knows me, the one that has purchased me with His very own blood. Folks, listen, if you want to know and see the glory of the Lord, which is really comes through the, you know, therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Folks, the way that we're going to be persuaded is knowing the terror of the Lord. And that's, that comes through that kabod, that, that awesomeness, that overwhelming knowledge of His presence and the enormity of who Jesus is to make these decisions. Folks, we're out of time to go into the next verse here today. But I, I hope you're hearing this and getting what, I, what, I, what I'm talking about in this. And once again, if you're listening to us live, we won't be, we won't be here the next three days. But we'll be back on Friday with, with the, the live program. If not, if you're listening to it and taped, it really doesn't matter. You'll, you can jump right in and push play once again. But folks, listen, I, I really I'm asking, I'm imploring you as you begin to, to, to pray. God, show me that. I want that weighty presence. Lord God, I want something bigger than my murmuring, bigger than my circumstance. Lord God, I want something so enormous, Lord God, that I can't get my understanding. I want a peace that passes understanding. I don't want a peace that caters to my flesh. I don't want a, a, a peace that just is always in conjunction with my whims or my desires. Lord God, I want to be challenged. I want to be chastened. I want to be purified. That way, when I'm presented before you, you present yourself a glorious church without spot or blemish. Folks, love you so much. Be pray, be pray for us. Uh, I'm going to be traveling. I'll be with, good, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow, uh, Brother Steve, and hanging out with you. Love you guys so much. And being with the, the Raven Midwest guys for just a little while. Anyway, i got one bit of advice as we close out this morning, as we always do. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.